Open your Bible to the book of um, Numbers chapter 14, if you would, please. Repeat the topic with me, if you would, please. Say, you can't go with me. One of the hardest things in the world sometimes is to acknowledge that sometimes people you like, people you, you value and you appreciate, are people who can't make certain journeys with you. You come to a place in life, you grow, you learn, and it's, it's a lonely place. You, as a mother, sometimes will feel isolated. And you have this responsibility, these little people in your life, and you feel like, I, I just, I wish I wasn't by myself. I wish somebody could be here to help me manage this. But in reality, you discover there are a lot of lonely days as a mama. You and the baby. You and your son, you and your daughter. When you get promoted in a certain position, you have to get up and go on that job by yourself, sit in that office, and make important decisions that affect the lives of a lot of people. I saw a judge just yesterday. I was in a store, and uh, I, won't, I won't say the judge's name, but I have uh, spoken to this particular judge before, and quite a few of them are fascinating people privately. Uh, <coughs> one, uh, one said to me, with almost tears in, in his eyes, how pained he is at his work. He said, Pastor, it's really hard. Case after case after case after case. I sent his father, his grandfather, and now his son. He says, it's horrible. So I saw this judge, and I, was on the, I said, hey, hold on. The judge is here. Now, wait gave this judge a greeting and I looked at the judge and I said I know it's hard and in that, in that store in that moment on that aisle the person shined and just nodded it is tough I said but you do something worthwhile your service is valuable. And they said thank you and we walked away. That's that judge's responsibility alone. And you can't take everybody with you on the bench. Where are you sitting alone today? And do you like it? Are you struggling? Are you saying I really hate being alone. But some places you can't take everybody. You run for office alone. You stand up here and you give your best pitch alone. Some of you are there right now in your life, and some of you in, in high in college, you're facing it. Now, a lot of college students in this service. It's you and the homework, <laughs> it's you and the paper. 
Unless you get somebody to write it for you, but you wouldn't do that, right? No, no, no you, you wouldn't do that. I was at Bible college, and people used to brag about that. I think it was amazing to me. I said, you're in Bible college studying theology, and your wife wrote your paper, and you're saying, praise God. <laughs> I was um, in a, I probably shouldn't share this, but I was in the class one time as a freshman, and the teacher left the room. This is in Bible college. This is studying theology. This is a room full of godly, holy, going to be preacher people. And the teacher left the room, and, and they said, what was answer number four? <laughs> they did. They did. I couldn't believe it. I said, hey, guys, wait a minute. We're studying the Word. We're just sharing temple. That's all we're doing is sharing. <laughs> Koinonia. He said, this is sin. That's what this is. They stopped. Amazing. True story. Numbers 14 is uh, our highlight text. And in this text, it's a story where God simply says to a group of people, you can't go. He, he tells them they can't go and why they can't go. He gives them a simple answer that's hard to give. He wants them to understand that <clears throat> because of the choices they've made, the way they think, it's impossible for them to go. And this is the lesson you have to learn. Some people can't go with you because of the way they think. It's impossible. If you take them with you, I tell young women this all the time, it will change your life. If you can't say, no, you can't go, and you take them with you, you're, you're, you're exchanging your purpose. You'll never accomplish your purpose in life. Your dream for your life will never happen solely because of that choice. So I want you to travel with me down a path for the next few weeks. Next week we have a little interruption, a little special for you. But over the next four or five weeks, we'll, we're going to talk about what I call um, membership class. Can you say it with me, please? Come on. I have decided that I need you to engage our membership process a little differently. I've taken on uh, the task personally, I mean personally, of teaching what we believe. And the goal is to say, if you're traveling with us, there are certain things you need to understand about our belief system, because this is important. <clears throat> If you don't know what you believe, you don't know where you're going. And so I'm going to travel through some things and show you. But I, I thought it'd be great to start with people that God couldn't take with him. And why? The world is changing around us. Society is changing the way people think. In 1999, uh, Barna did a study. And they surveyed the views that people had about Christians. It's in the book Unchurched. Say the name of the book? Unchurched. By Kinnaman. Okay? It's a good book. David Kinnaman is a guy that I've gotten to know. Uh, he now is a premier owner. He's the, he's the, major, own, the um, major shareholder, owner of uh, Barna uh, Group, which is a Christian research group. And they're probably the premier group that, that studies Christians and what we do. 
And uh, I was with him this week. We were in a conference in Phoenix. And I was just sitting down for four days. Phenomenal experience for me to not teach, just listen. Some smart guys in the room. If I said names, you'd know them, quite a few of them. But what was really amazing was sitting there, it's about 100 of us, and, and it was really amazing how helpful this was. And David was one of the presenters, and he um, gave us this slide I want to show you in regards to how people think, and you'll, you'll see. Whenever, <coughs> excuse me, whenever you travel with people, I want you to notice the ways people think. David showed us this, and it's just amazing. The, and this is a survey of how people think. Here's what they said. 91% were, were asked this question. The best way to find yourself is to look within yourself. 91% of those surveyed said that's the way you find yourself. You don't look in the Bible. You don't look to God. All you need is to look within yourself. It's all in here. Second slide. Uh, people are asked, people should not criticize someone else's life choices. That's 89% response. That makes my job really hard. Because if I criticize your life choices, I'm considered not being fair to you. Narrow-minded, whatever. Number three. To be fulfilled in life, you should pursue the things you desire most. 86%. It's only about what you desire most. And I want you to notice how meistic this is. Meistic. And, and so any, um, and I, I started the quote and finished, I didn't quote the Unchurch book. I said it but didn't tell you what the quote was. The quote was, let me if I can pause that for a minute. The quote was, when a person was asked, 85% of those asked who were agnostic or atheists what their view of Christianity was, 85% had a favorable rating. They viewed Christianity in a favorable light. Christianity was good for the world. Ten years later, this was done in 1999, ten years later, they, 38, that's 15% negative in 1999, right? You with me? 15% said had a negative viewpoint, 85% had a positive. Fast forward ten years, 38% of those surveyed had a negative view of Christianity. The, and that's why the book Unchurched is interesting because the point is the world is becoming unchurched. Their view is changing. And so when you stand up here and you preach, people get offended because they no longer think the way you think. They think differently. So go back to the slides. Let me show you. Now, I want you to watch this number, number three. So to be fulfilled in your life, you should pursue the things you most desire. It's all about what you want. Number four, the highest goal, that's important, the highest goal of life is to enjoy it as much as possible, 84%. That's the highest goal. Not serving God, not serving people, not serving humanity. The highest goal in life. Why well, I want to win the lottery, right? Because I want stuff for me, right? Next slide. Number five, people can believe whatever they want as long as those beliefs don't affect society. That's 79% of the people said that. Now, I don't know how that could be true. One guy believes shooting people is okay, so. <laughs> One group feels that, you know, raping is okay. One group feels that, you know, taking your stuff is okay. You know. I was walking um, in Atlanta the other day, and a guy said, hey, man, 
Now I'm walking out the store, minding my business, but he felt it was okay to say, hey, man, give brother a dollar. I'm trying to catch a bus. And I said, no, nah, bro. And he said, I like your jacket. And I said, you have my space now. You like my jacket. <laughs> and, you know, he was, you know, he had that, that look like, you know, I said, so I gave him the look back. It's like, okay, well, it is what it is today. What can I do? Run. No place to run. So, you know, <laughs> that man look, you know, that man look, you know what I'm saying? But he felt that was fine. And, and see, but, but it affected me. Just a point. Your belief system never just affects you. Never. You may think it does, but it never just affects you. Your children, people you, that work for you or you work for, you believe coming late is fine, so companies should be okay with that, right? Because things happen, right? Next slide. Number five, number six, rather. Any kind of sexual expression between two consenting adults is acceptable. Seven, 69% of the people said that. Next slide, please. Now, this is the difference between society and practicing Christians. Now, this is what's important. Christians have, uh, are not that far behind. We think a lot like everybody else. All you have to do is zoom in close and ask the right questions, and you get a similar answer. This explains a lot to me as a pastor. Why, when I say certain things, you get pushback? Why there's a sense of resistance? And here's the, here's the, here's the challenge. As the membership grows and we become more like the world, it's going to be harder to preach. It's going to be harder to draw lines. And so what I'm concerned about is as we advance membership, and there's 3,200 3, active members here, and that's a real number. We don't make that up. We purge it every year. If you're not active after a period of time, we contact you. And if, you don't, if you're not engaged in the church, if you don't give, you don't go you don't volunteer for anything, we don't see you, we'll, we'll send you a note. We'll say, hey, we haven't seen you. And, and so you need to reaffirm your membership or we take you off the list. And that's, that's important because so we don't have a fake list of members. Everybody say amen to that if you got it. So what I want you to notice, though, is the difference between the way society thinks and practicing Christians. Look within yourself. 91% of society thinks that way compared to 76% of practicing Christians. Don't criticize others' life choices. 89% compared to 76% of Christians. Pursue what you desire most. 86% compared to 72%. Enjoy life as much as possible, 84% compared to 67%. Now, I want you to understand, these numbers are 67, 72, 76. That means 7 out of 10 Christians think just like everybody else. There's not that big of a difference. Only three of them think differently, if you're following the math. Two to three of them think differently. Ten people in line, right? <coughs> ten Christians in line. They think just like the ten people who are not Christians think. You, you would think that wouldn't be true. But this explains a lot. Enjoy life as much as possible, 84% compared to 67%. Beliefs shouldn't affect society. 79% of society thinks that way. 61% of Christians. Lastly, sex between consenting adults is fine. 69% compared to 40% of Christians. And I, and I don't think that 40% number is right. I've been pastoring a long time. I don't believe it's true. I think that's, that's just my personal opinion. That's not my experience as a leader. The sexual attitudes are very similar up close. Thank you for the slide. Now, I said all that to say, you have to understand the power of building a ship of people who want to go in one direction and you want to go in another. And if you have a membership that does not have a commitment, and I love this, I was flying on um, American Airlines the other day, and American Airlines, it was they said, uh, 
they don't normally do this on Delta as much. At least I haven't noticed it. Maybe I fall asleep. I don't know. But they, they said, um, all people going to Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, you may, uh, if you're on this plane at this time, you need to uh, leave if you don't plan to go to Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, this plane is headed to Charlotte. Thank you. You can disembark at this time if you're not going to Charlotte. Now, the reason they're saying that is because some people feel on the wrong plane. <laughs> or they've decided they don't want to go, so they tell them before they taxi. This plane is going to Charlotte. This is not going to Alabama, Mississippi. It's going to Charlotte, North Carolina. So you need to decide, do you want to ride this, this train? And that's so important. You know, when you, you look at people up close, sometimes they don't realize where they are. And that's what Numbers chapter 14 is about. These guys have signed up, left Egypt. Now they're in the wilderness, and they're not happy. They're not happy with the direction. And here's what the Bible says in chapter 11. If you look in your notes, I want you to watch this. So all the congregation lifted their voices and cried. They're crying and they're weeping all night. Why? Because Moses and Aaron, they complained, brought the whole congregation out to die in Egypt. And they said these words in, in verse, verse 2. If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Wow. So here's a list of things that stop them from achieving their goals. And it answers the question, why has God, and this is my big question, made you wait for your purpose? Why could this nation not achieve its design purpose? Because they had the wrong people going with them. And now you're going to see what was wrong with them. The first thing was, say with me, please, say they complained. These were people who were 20 and over. Those who were 20 and over had decided that they couldn't comply. And so God punished them and said, everybody that's 20 and below can go. Everybody that's 20 and over cannot go. That means if you're a freshman in college, you can go. Sophomores and above, you're out. Imagine that. Only freshmen. 19 and below. And here's the reason. He was compl completely convinced that the people 20 and over would never change. And if he took them with him, they would be a problem. That's a hard conclusion to come to. That this person will never change. And if I take them with me, I will always be here. I will always have these issues. And I want you to see this list of six things about them. Number one, repeat it with me, please. So they complain. Not only they complain, they were suicidal. As you read through it, they, they were suicidal. They were, they were constantly talking about, we should, we're going to die. They just didn't have any faith. Number two, they did not want to fight. They said, you brought the Lord, why has the Lord brought us to this land, verse 3, by the, uh, to, to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be victims? No talk about fighting. No talk about standing up just afraid they're going to die. Number three, they, they wanted to go back to slavery. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Imagine that. Imagine, imagine that. They're complaining. They didn't want to fight. 
They wanted to go back to slavery. And number, number four, they wanted to fire the leaders. They said to one another, let us select a leader. Let's get rid of Moses. Get rid of Aaron. Number five, I love this. They could not be encouraged. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Verse 7, and they spoke to the, all the congregation of the children of Israel. The land we passed through, all the land we passed through to spy out. And, 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 and when they went through this land and they spied it out, here's what he told them, is exceedingly good land. This is Joshua and Caleb talking. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only don't rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people. He constantly tries to get them to see the positive. But if you ever talk to people, you can't encourage them. You know, you, you, every time you talk to them, you say the same thing over and over again. In this job, one of the things that I think has preserved me is I just don't really do that a lot. I do, I do a little bit of it. My wife teases me sometimes. She thinks I'm very patient. But I, I, I've learned that at some point you've got to stop and say, I already said that. But th these are people that you can't encourage. And, and I want you to hear the, the finality of this. He, he's saying, God is saying, they'll never change. If you take them with you, you'll spend your whole life encouraging them. We can do it. You can do it. Come on, try again. Come on now. Oh, believe in yourself. Oh, get on up now. Stop crying. It's going to be okay. Hold on. God is able. This too shall pass. And, you know, if you're not careful, they become your life assignment. I don't believe any one member in this church should be my full-time ministry. I believe I should help you. I believe I should talk to you because I like people. I enjoy talking to people. Email me while I respond. I really I like it. I like your stories. I'll pray for you. I'll think about you. But I can't live for you. And some of you are doing that. And, it, and it's hard for you to leave people. But they complained, didn't want to fight, wanted to go back to slavery, wanted to fire their leaders. They could not be encouraged in the number, number six. They easily became violent. You know what they said? Let's stone them. Next thing they said in verse 10, all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Okay, now Moses is sitting there thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Well, here's my first problem. Anybody that can open the Red Sea with a stick, I'm not fooling with you. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> somebody, with the, somebody come off the mountain glowing, I, I'm not going to mess with you. You know what I mean? You, hey, you, you got some kind of connection. But they didn't care. I don't know if you've dealt with people like that who just, their, their actions say, not their words, their actions say, I don't care. They, they, may, cry, but their act, they may cry one day, but their actions say, I don't really care. And here's what we as a membership have to understand as a church. We have to have members who care. You have to have people who believe in what you believe in. You know, all these big churches with big numbers, one, there's a book I, I don't like. I don't like the book at all. I don't even know if I should recommend the book to you because it bugs me. It's Christine Wicker. It's a book called The Fall of the Evangelical Nation because I'm an open-minded guy. I just told you the name of the book. And I just want to throw it across the room. 
But he, but but Christine, you know, I call her a mad Baptist girl. But she, no, she, she is a mad Baptist girl. Very liberal in some of her thoughts, you know. And you'll see that in the end of the book. But, but she she, she makes a criticism of big churches. Her criticism is they're not committed. She goes through this list, and in the beginning of the book, she starts taking on all the truth about big churches. She says they don't volunteer, they don't give money, they burn out a few faithful people. You know, they have to pay all this money for staff because people won't volunteer. Uh, she just goes through this list, and she talks about uh, that's why they're going to fall. She says they're going to fall because of these stats. She, she points it out. She says, and the members don't talk about their faith to anybody. They're not winning souls to Christ. They're not talking about any of that, any of that anymore. They just want to be entertained. They want to come in and... They want you to have a group, a group for them. You know, you become a concierge service for Christians. And now we're going to have this group. And now we're going to have that group. And then we're going to have this group. Well, how come we're not meeting? And when is it going to be our turn? And when are we going to do something for us? And when are we going to serve? We need this. Like, oh, boy. Overcome by faith, concierge service may help you. Let me say, what's a concierge? Okay. Valet service. How about that? We just park your car spiritually. My, my, my role is to be everything for everybody. And this is what Christine Wicker says. She says, because you're going to burn out the preacher guy and you're going to burn out the faithful volunteers and the, the core givers who give and who make it all happen and everybody else is just going to ride and they're going to build buildings that are too big and too expensive. They cost too much to maintain. Their cash is tight. They barely make their budgets every year. They have very little cash. She said they're going to fall. Sad picture. But it, it, it tells the story of why some of them are caring too many people. Pretending they're going somewhere. Some of you have large families. Huge families. How many of you have a large family? Raise your hand. Large family. Raise your hand. I mean, huge. If somebody dies in the family, if you want to empty the room, all you have to say is they don't have any insurance. <laughs> Exit. Stage left. <laughs> they don't help with college for the kids. They don't help single parents. If somebody gets sick, Mama, everybody go to Mama's house at church because Mama always cooking. What you got, Mama? Mama cooking, boy. Mama be cooking, boy, at the church, man. Mama got be laid out. Nobody bring Mama any food to cook. Anybody listening? But everybody go to Mama's house to eat, right? And then let Mama get sick. Let mama need somebody to help her bathe. Uh, I, I can't, I can't, I, I can't see that kind of stuff. Man. I love mama, but I got to work. I, mama needs, and you need to put mama in a home somewhere. And then when you put it, nothing wrong with a home if it's helpful. But you don't even go see her. And you don't give any money to her. See, here, here's what you discover. 
Everybody riding with you is not committed. And you see that in the end. Now, Jesus responds, God responds in verse 11 in a way that's really powerful because in verse 11, he, he kind of speaks out. And here's what he said. The Lord said to Moses, how long will this people reject me? This is the way God viewed those over 20. These are his issues with those people. And there are three issues God has. They reject me. They refuse to believe me. And they're not swayed by the signs. Can you say those with me, please? Come on. Say they reject me. They refuse to believe me. And they're not swayed by the signs. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? Now, that's important because God is saying, you act like you don't like me. You act like you don't like me and, and you don't believe me. And all the miracles, I mean, opening the Red Sea didn't help, you know. The, the plagues didn't help. You know, feeding you with manna didn't help. Nothing. It's kind of like a parent would feel. Let me see, I clothed you, I housed you, bought your car, paid for your college. Okay. Okay. Nothing I've done. And let me tell you, as a parent, you get that when you feel your kids have rejected you. Oh, it's amazing. They get 13 and all of a sudden you're dumb. You know, and next bopping and my friends. And, my, and really? These people who have no money, what? All of a sudden I'm dumb. All of a sudden I don't know anything. All of a sudden it's really hard. And emotionally, Sometimes when you have children, honestly, God, you have to step back. You really have to step back because you really can, can lose it because you feel rejected. You ever call them and they'll call you back? Isn't that amazing? You ever call them and they'll call you back? Or here's the, and here's one, here's one. When you tell them, just tell me when you get there. Just call me and tell me you've arrived. And then they get there and they don't call. And it's an hour later, right? And you're sitting there thinking, why didn't you call? And they go, oh, I forgot. I forgot, I forgot. It slipped my mind. Here's, here's, here's something my kids just do sometimes. I want you home by 12. Oh, sure, Dad, no problem. 12.01. 2. 12.05. Okay, I'm calling. What's the deal, man? What time? Oh, Dad, you can't. Oh, man. This is Ricky. Oh, man. What? Oh, it's 12.05. Time goes fast when you're having fun, Dad. That's amazing. Dad, I had no clue it was 12.05. Well, now that it's 12.05, can I stand an hour? No. Dude. Christina was the liberty one. I need, um, okay. Uh, okay, I'm coming. I'll be right there. You know, she's Miss Civil Rights. Give me liberty or give me death. You know, that's her she is. That girl's a trip. Somebody, it's funny. You know, kids are just funny. You know, as you get older, you know, didn't tell you something happened just yesterday. I was preaching yesterday. So I, when I finished preaching, I got to do, I have Sheila come up. She'll close today for me. And um, I was going out so I can, you know, blow my nose. So I was kind of clogged up. That's personal. You don't need to know that. But anyway, so, so after I finished preaching, I went out, right? And, um. So Christina's in the back, and she says, where are you going? <laughs> I mean, at the back of the door, she's telling me, asking me questions. Where am I going? I say, I'm going out. Church is not over yet. 
how you all up in my business? That's what I told her. How you all up in my business? You know, she didn't stop. She followed me out the hallway. I asked you where you going. I told you, girl, get out of my business. You all up in my space. <laughs> my girl. All in fun. But here's the truth. When you feel like they're not listening to you, Sorry. Some of you kids haven't thought about the fact that you make your parents feel like you reject them. But you should think about that. It's really hard. You shouldn't, you shouldn't make it that hard. It's not fair. It's just not fair. A little teenage girl, she, 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 she was sexually active and she decided that she wanted to be, I don't know, I don't know what it was. She's going through some phase. So I was in another city. I won't say what city. And the teenagers knew me from this church. And they said, she needs to have a Pastor Rick talk. That's what they told her. She needs to have a Pastor Rick talk. So, so they, 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 they sent her to me. So when I was preaching, as I finished preaching, after church, they had it all set up. We want you to talk to Pastor Rick because he straightened me out. Maybe he can help you. Because what she was doing, well, this is the truth. I'm not making this up. She was dressed up in black clothes, black clothes, like, like, like Mission Impossible. Climb out the window and go see somebody and then come back home. And then sometimes she let him in the house. It was a mess. She was just, I mean, she was out of control. She was out of control. So I looked at her and I said, I said, girl, I said, talk to me. And I said, what you doing? 007. <laughs> and here's what I told her. And, she, and she, she took this advice. I said, you're not being fair. If you want to live this way, it's just not fair. Live this way, but be fair. Protect yourself, number one. And number two, don't do this to your parents. Your dad comes in here, he's going to hurt this person. It's not fair. Be fair. But see, she thought about it, and she stopped. She said, you're right. I'll be fair. I'll make my choices, but I realize if I want to ride on this family train, I can't keep doing this. And that's what I'm saying. If you want to be on the family train, it's not fair. So God looks at them and God says, hey, here's my response. First of all, he says something that's hard to hear. I will strike them. Or in simple terms, I'm going to smack you. <laughs> now, what's powerful about that is it's not a term you like. It's not a term you admire. It's something you think, oh, God, please. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna hit them? Yeah. Some people I've seen, they were smacked by God, and, and I didn't know what was wrong with them. But their lives have been judged. Sometimes... I hate to say it, but you look judged. Money's messed up. Health's messed up. Life's messed up. Issue after issue after issue. Could this be because you rejected God? Be because you made the decision to not believe him? 
Because no provision has moved you or changed you. What other options are there but to say, you can't ride with me? And so now you're, you're in this mess and you're sitting there thinking how you got there. And I have to be careful when I deal with people that I don't misunderstand what's happening. Could this be just the devil and our, our misunderstanding or could it be judgment? That's the hard part. In my own life, am I being judged by God? Did I listen to him or have I been rejecting him? Is my marriage here because we rejected God? We in our love life have abandoned God. You're in love with each other, but you're not both in love with God. Do you understand the difference? You want to be with each other, but you don't care what God thinks about anything because you don't want anybody to give an opinion on your life choices. You think it's, it's not, nobody's business because you're 18 and you're grown now. It's totally up to you. So God promises to forgive them. In verse 19, he says, I'll pardon those that are 20 and over, but they're not coming in. Moses prayed this prayer, pardon the iniquity of this people. Then in verse 20, the Lord said, I'll pardon them. But then in verse number four in your notes, here's what he said. Verse 21. But truly as I live, all the, and all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Verse 22. Because all these people, all these men, have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the what? Test now. How many times? Ten times. Let's count. Ready? One. Three, four, five, pause. Think about that. Okay. I stole your money. How many times? One time. Two times. Three times. I hit you. How many times? Four times. Five times. Okay. Not you, right? Six times, right? Seven times. Eight times. Nine times. Ten times. Please note, some of you said, no, I've disobeyed God. Eight times. Twenty times. Thirty times. Forty times. Four years. I, I mean, at what point does it become clear? This person is not riding with you. At what point does it become clear that you can't change their mind? What's the tipping point? What's the point where it tips over? He said, I'm there. 20 and over, I'm done. Is that being mean? No. Now, God honors, I meant to say, Joshua and Caleb, but I have Moses there. And Caleb, who had a different spirit, now this guy was positive. Now, please note, that is a painful reality. Two guys, two guys are clear. Everybody else says no. Where are you? Now, I want to balance this for a minute because this is important. Because a lot of you married people saying, oh, that's my mate we're talking about. I'm getting a divorce when I'm going to do this service. Praise the Lord. <laughs> what if it's your spouse? Here's a balancing uh, question that might help you. I want you to fight for your marriage. I want you to get help if you can. Do it on your own. And then I want you to fight again. If it's your child, 
I want you to fight, but I want you to listen. Listen. Parents don't listen. You do all the talking. Out of ten conversations, nine are negative. What are you doing? Where are you going? I remember when I was your age. You ought to be glad to have me in your life. Really? <laughs> ask your kids that courageous question. How am I doing? I used to ask my kids. I asked Ricky, Ricky's favorite comment, one I remember forever. He said, You're, you are Caesar. I asked him, how am I doing, Ricky? He said, you are Caesar over Rome. Really? <laughs> yeah, man, you act like the emperor. <laughs> then Christina said, Dad, you don't, you're not funny any longer. It's amazing how I can get off and not know I'm off. For you. For some of you. The tragedy is, though, after you say it all, do it all, some won't believe and won't change. And the last verse, 1 Corinthians seven fifteen, tough verse. If the unbeliever departs, let him depart. This is in the context of marriage. You can't make him come back. You can't make them love you. I had someone after the last service came to me and he said, my wife and I filed for divorce, Pastor. I want it to work, but she doesn't. That's what he told me. With tears in his eyes, and I shook his hand. He said, I guess she's not a part of my, my purpose. She doesn't want to be a part of my purpose. And I just looked at him. What can I tell him? Some of you are stuck in places you need to get unstuck from. There are people that will not be a part of our church, and that's okay. I have to embrace that and love people, not, not take it personally. There are people that are not going to be a part of your business and not a part of your dream. And you've got to learn how to put that in the right place. And, and you can't blame them for it. You can't make it everybody's fault. For whatever reason, you don't control where they are in their mind. When the judge sentences those people sometimes and the ones that justifiably deserve it, they have to understand that's just part of your job, dude. Ma'am. When you have to let an employee go, when you have to say this isn't working, when you have to draw the line on friendships, when you have to say I can't participate in this anymore, when you have to stop a relationship because now they're dragging you to the bedroom every time you see them, they're dragging you away from your values, dragging you away from what you believe the Bible says. You're no longer serving God, you're serving them. They're more important to you than God. And if you continue to do that, you can't go. You understand the difference? At some point, the Lord looks at you and says, you can't go with me. At some point, you get cut away from God's greater blessing. And that, I don't want that to happen to our church. I don't want our church to become just a YMCA where we gather. I want us to be a holy, Bible-believing, God-fearing, obey-Jesus church that loves God. Come on, say amen, church. You hearing me? I can't, I can't do what I want to do. I can't let you do anything you want to do. I can't go along with everything. It's not because I don't care. It's because I don't have the power. I don't have the authority or the right to supersede the Word of God. And I can't do it. And if I do it, He will remove me. And if you don't believe me, read Revelation, the first chapter. He told those preachers, they were called stars. He said, I will remove your candlestick, which means I will tear down your church. But this church has a purpose. God established it for a reason, and we have a job to do for God. Come on, church, are you hearing what I'm saying? And we must, we must, we must love everybody, but we must challenge people to look at what the Bible says, my only source of authority. And I must say... That's part one of our membership class. Did you enjoy today? Amen. Thank you for putting up with me. Thank you so much. Let's all stand together, shall we? I'm over time, so I can't do what I want to do, but I'm going to do what I can do. How about that, huh? Amen. Father, I thank you for the service.
for everyone who's touched today by what's been said, everyone who needs Jesus today, heal and touch their hearts. Let them leave this place changed and blessed. Thank you for the difference you make. Thank you, Lord, for helping them. Thank you for helping us. We want to ride with you, God. We don't want to be left behind. We want to go where you want to go. And so we thank you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've heard the message. I need Jesus in my life. I need to get my life started with Jesus. I want you right now, if you're here, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Praise your hand. I want to see you. One, two, three. I want to see you. Four, five. I want to see you. Six. Anybody else I'm praying for? Seven, eight. Where are you? I want to see you. Thank you. I see two more. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm, I'm praying for you. Right now, I see you over there. Thank you. Anyone else? I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, pray for all of these as they come to know you today. Let this be the day they start their life with Jesus. Healing and blessing to them. Grace and victory. We thank you for the difference you make in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. Amen. Is God good? Come on, is God good? Come on, praise God.